Well, you're probably wondering about these two pictures on the screen. Well, a story is told. I can't fully verify this story, but it was told of a spy that was captured and then sentenced immediately to death. And upon his sentence, the general had a custom that he always did, and he went through and he asked them, and they, he would give those that were sentenced to death, you have two choices. You need to make your choice. Which will it be? Will you choose the firing squad or the big black door? Well, this spy, along with most everyone before him, except for a few exceptions, did a little bit of thinking and said, I'll take the firing squad. Let's get this over with. I don't know what's behind the big black door. I don't know if I want to play that game. And so we're just going to go with what we know. And so sure enough, like many times before, the guns rang out, the deed was done, and one of the men asked the general, is that the way it typically goes? Yes, it is. Why is that? Well, for whatever reason, people always like to choose what they know over what they don't know. Certainty over uncertainty. And he says, really? Well, do you mind if I ask, what is behind the big black door? And the general simply replied, freedom. But I've only had a few men brave enough to take it. Now, again, I don't know if that's a true story or not. But it speaks to the human heart a little bit, doesn't it? We will stay in the same rut sometimes for weeks or months or years because it's what we know. It's what's familiar. And we have a fear of the unknown, of uncertainty. What's going to happen? I just don't know. The risks that are involved are too great. I'm just going to stay the course. So I want to ask you, are you restless about 2019? Here it is. What is this year going to mean for you? I have some questions down there in the bottom. What will happen? What about my job, my kids, my health, these bills, my schooling, my future? What if, what if, what if, what if? Are you ever fearful of the unknown? The what ifs of this year? This could be your best year yet. Oh, it'll be the worst year ever. Which way do you choose to think? Oh, we have things that I suppose could stress us out. Another government shutdown and the stock market doing things up and down and backwards and forwards. Which way is it going to go? Some are forecasting a bad year for us as far as that's concerned. Maybe it's fear of a current or future, unknown even, health crisis. Maybe it's the fear of death or loss. Whatever it is, fear has a way of crippling us. I mean, it robs us, doesn't it, of our peace and of our joy and of our hope. But oftentimes, we look at the unknown with fear. You remember the story of the demon-possessed man? The town is exceedingly afraid of him, and Jesus confronts the demons. They beg to go into some swine. Mark's account says there's about 2,000 of them. Jesus allows it to be done and so they all find themselves running off the cliff into the water, and the whole town is in an uproar. And they come out to see 
what has happened. And we read, then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Doesn't that seem just a little bit odd? They're afraid. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And so he, Jesus, got into the boat and returned. Because of their fear, they rejected the Savior of the universe. Are you ever afraid to trust that God knows what is best in your life? Do you ever get restless of the unknown? I had a Christian friend who had an issue with music. He liked the the rowdier styles of music. And we were challenging him to watch something that would address this issue of music and explain God's plan and purpose for music and the devil's counterfeit and how it can impact you and affect you and so on. And his response was simply, I'm not ready for that. I pondered that. I mean, what does that mean, I'm not ready for that? It sounds to me like that means I'm not ready to give something up. I'm not ready for the unknown. I don't know exactly where this thing is going to lead. And so I would rather just sit here in what I'm accustomed to and used to because I am fearful that what God has outlined is best for me maybe isn't such a good idea for me. Maybe he really doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe my way is better than God's way. Fear. Fear to trust. Here's another example. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18. He stands undaunted before King Ahab who has boldly faced the whole nation of Israel with 450 prophets of Baal. And so Elijah stands up against these prophets of Baal. He's bold. He calls down fire from heaven. He's trusting in the Lord. And the Lord comes through in a miraculous and powerful way. But then, as a result of a death threat of Jezebel, right on the heels, we read, he arose and ran for his life. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. Somehow, fear can strike even the giants of God. Having just witnessed God's power and his faithfulness, even God's faithful, at times, can be filled with fear. Remember the story of Abraham? When there was a famine in the land, Abraham went to Egypt to dwell, but Abraham, too, was afraid. When the Egyptians see you, This is what he's saying to his wife, that they will say that his wife and that they will kill me, or they will say this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister. Partially true. Still a lie. And Abraham does this not only once, but twice. And his son Isaac follows the example as well. Why? Fear. God says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make you you your descendants like the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. 
Well, for that to happen, I'm going to have to work my little magic here and say this little lie and, and orchestrate this over here. It's a lack of faith. It's fear. They're going to want to kill me. And he takes matters into his own hands. How about Peter? When asked if he knew that man, fearful of how he would be treated or looked upon, fearful of a woman, fearful of the crowd, he denies Jesus the very thing he had just promised just hours before that he would never do. And the biblical account says, but he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you're saying. Gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, no, 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 this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth, I'm sure of it. But again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Fear can make us do things we thought we'd never do. Uh, Then we have the story of Saul. Saul has rejected God at this, by this point. In fact, in chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, he is upset for the priests of helping David. And he sees this as a betrayal. And so he orders the murder of 85 of the Lord's priests. Along with their town, their women, children, nursing infants, the account says, and even their livestock. And so by the time we get to chapter 28, the Philistines are coming to attack the Israelites. And the Bible account says in verse 5, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid. And his heart trembled greatly, it says. Sounds like fear. So he's rejected God. He's murdered the prophets of God. He's desperate for answers. So what does he do now? The unthinkable. He goes to the forbidden spiritists and mediums. At God's command, you understand that they were forbidden from the land, but his men come around close to him, and when he asks them, they say, just six miles from here, we can travel to Endor, and there's someone there that will help us. And so motivated by fear and desperation, they go. How sad for Saul to stoop so low. To inquire of the devil about the future outcome of things. That's essentially what we have Saul doing. Even though there may be some here that say, oh, no, 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 that is the prophet Samuel. But friends, a careful study of the passage reveals otherwise. We read in verse 14, Saul perceived that it was Samuel. In more than one place, we see that the woman is seeing this figure, but but Saul keeps asking, what do you see? What do you see? And then in verse 16, quotes Samuel says, the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy. 
a bold-faced lie. Friends, that's never true. The Lord is not your enemy. Jesus died for you and for me. He has done everything in his power to save us for eternity. He is not your enemy, no matter what you have done. To say God is your enemy is a lie from the pit. The truth is, he is your and my only hope. The truth is that on multiple occasions, God warns Saul, but Saul refuses to listen. And so the devil is having his way with Saul. We read in 1 Chronicles 10, 13, and 14, So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. But he did not inquire of the Lord. It's not because God is his enemy. It's because of his own free will. Saul rejects God over and over and over. And this verse makes it very plain. This is not Samuel. And the devil had a plan in all this to further discourage and overwhelm and fill Saul with fear. And that's exactly what we find. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel, in quotations. Perhaps we should say the words of an evil spirit. And many of us, we read this story and we kind of shake our heads and how sad for Saul to do such a thing, to stoop to that level. And certainly there are palm readers and psychics in Asheville. I don't have to drive very far. I've driven past them. You have too. But I'd never do that. That's not my thing. I mean, really, there's, there's nothing in this story for me. Or is there? Are you ever motivated by fear? Because, friends, fear is not of God. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is not from God. Friends, too many are getting restless and giving up just before the finish line because of fear. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. True love, this is a safe place, not a fearful place. Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If Saul was in right relationship with God, if he knew God as a trusted friend, this is what Saul would have said. But sadly, these aren't the words of Saul. These are the very words of David. I suppose Saul could have recounted this Story, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. 
But Saul was not strong. He was not of good courage because he no longer knew the Lord. No, God did not leave Saul. Saul left God. And his strength and his courage was replaced with fear. Patriarchs and Prophets says this about the story of Saul. There are many who become restless when they cannot know the definite outcome of affairs. Do you ever become restless? I don't know where this is going to lead. The boss said something today that made me a little nervous. I don't know how this bill is going to get paid. I don't know how this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And I'm just, I'm, I'm restless. I can't sleep. I'm turning and tossing because I don't know the definite outcome of affairs. They cannot endure uncertainty. And in their impatience, they refuse to wait and see the salvation of God. Does that ever describe you? Restless about the future? I mean, after all, will you get accepted in the schools you applied for? I mean, will the man of your dreams ever come along? Will this business venture pan out like it's supposed to? Are you going to be able to make your mortgage this month? Do you ever get restless? Continuing on, this impatience has to tear away the veil from the future reveals a lack of faith in God. Sorry, this impatient haste to tear away the veil from the future reveals a lack of faith in God. Oh, I must know. Friends, if God didn't tell you, then you mustn't know. Well, what can I expect? I need to plan. He'll tell you in time. But if, if this isn't working, I need to do something else. But our impatience is a lack of faith. I mean, isn't this the same thing that Jesus said to his disciples when he calmed the sea? He says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have what? No faith. I mean, this comes down to even being afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of the dark. Then where's your faith? I'm afraid of the ocean and the wind and the waves and nature. And Where's your faith? If they would but trust in God and watch unto prayer, they would find divine consolation. You know, I really think divine consolation is the only true consolation, isn't it? Their spirit would be calmed by communion with God. Calmed how? By communion with God. Do you want to be calm? Spend more time in God's presence. Read his word. Spend time in prayer with him. Well, I, I, I just feel this fear coming back. Then go back to your knees. And don't get up until it's gone. And you have a peace and a calm and a divine consolation. The weary and the heavy laden would find rest unto their souls if they would only go to Jesus. If we would only go to Jesus, friends. 
if we would only trust in God, if we would only watch unto prayer, if we would only have communion with God, we would be calmed. We would have divine consolation, divine comfort, rest unto our souls. And if it was a pill, it couldn't stay on the shelf. But Jesus says, I give it to you freely. We simply need to go to Jesus. Sounds like Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I, Jesus says, will give you rest. Isaiah 43, 1, great verse. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. How personal is that? I know where you are. I know what your name is. I know your address. I know a thousand more things about you that you don't even know. I know every cell in your body, it could say. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I mean, that's what we're remembering today. Jesus gave his all to redeem us. And in response, he says, fear not. It's very simple, fear not. I've called you by name, you're mine. He's claiming us as his. And how can he do that? Only through his shed blood on Calvary for you. And for me. So when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Fear not, he says. I'm your Savior. So don't be restless or anxious about tomorrow or the next day, the next year. But rest in the care of Jesus, your Savior, who has made every provision for you. Romans 8.31, thank you, Sydney, for reading that for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? And here's the part that Sidney read. But he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he wouldn't spare his own son for you and for me, why is this other thing too hard for him? Why would he deny that for, from you? If it's truly in your best interest, why would he say no? Why would he let you wither on the vine? He says, I'm not going to let you do that. I didn't even spare my own son, but delivered him up for all of you. Don't you think I'll freely give you all things? So my question is just very simple this morning. Is Jesus your savior? And fear not. Because you're in good hands. Pretty simple. 
But I imagine there is someone here this morning that's feeling unsure, feeling distant, feeling separated. Yes, we could call it restless. We could call it fearful. But I invite you in the quietness of your own heart to just lay it all down at the foot of the cross this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible promises in your word that you will provide, you will take care of us so we have nothing to fear for the future except we forget how you have provided for us again and again and again in the past. For all those times of provision, we thank you and we pray that we will look to the future only with faith. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.